Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Dr. Amber Thornton. She's a licensed clinical psychologist and wellness coach and the founder of Balanced Working Mama with a mission to completely change the narrative of what is possible for millennial mothers by helping them to better balance work, motherhood, and wellness. She's also the host of the Balanced Working Mama podcast. Dr. Amber resides in Washington, D.C. with her husband, and two little kids. Welcome, Dr. Amber. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you are not only a mom of two little ones, you're also a psychologist supporting mothers. So motherhood is central to what you live and think about. But you didn't always think that you would become a mother yourself. Tell us about that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great place to start. I actually never really thought that I would want to become a mom. And it was, you know, not because I didn't want children, but more so because this version of motherhood that I had seen growing up just looked really challenging, to be honest. And there was somewhere along the way I learned that being a mom meant that you had to really forego some of your desires or some of your dreams, your goals. And I had always been someone who was so ambitious, even still. You know, I always wanted to create things. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to be a learner. I wanted to read. And I had trouble seeing how motherhood fit in this lifestyle of me wanting to be a lifelong learner and me wanting to be ambitious, me wanting to start businesses, me wanting to be a psychologist or be a professional. So that led me to think that I didn't want to be a mom. I would always joke with my family like, well, I'll just be the rich auntie. I'll come back and visit, you know, because I have a niece. I said, I'll be the rich auntie. I'll come back and visit, you know, but I, motherhood is just not for me. And that really changed. Luckily, somewhere along the line, I, I met my now husband and really started to see the vision for how life could be. You know, with me and my ambitious self, me wanting to do all the things, me wanting to achieve my dreams and how I could be a mom. And so that's where I am now, you know, trying to figure all that out. That definitely was my story early on. And as a result of this journey that you went on, you focus a lot on balance. Balance can be sometimes a little bit of a controversial word in motherhood. Some people feel it as this, okay, it's another thing on my to-do list on top of raising <laughs> my kids and trying to cover the health insurance and do my job. Now I'm supposed to also find balance and maybe get a pedicure or something. I don't quite know what it means. Talk to us a little bit about what your vision is of balance. This is great timing. 
you know, I actually just had a, a conversation with my husband the other day about this term, you know, because to be quite honest, before I started Balanced Working Mama, I did not know that the term balance was so controversial. Mm. And I, I started to learn more and more after I went deeper into it that, you know, many women were very triggered by this idea of balance. And, you know, as I started to really listen to them a little bit more and understand why, it was exactly what you said. It feels like, you know, it's another responsibility. You know, not only do I have to be a good parent and be a good mother and I have to, you know, work, then then I also have to have to find time for myself. That feels like an obligation. And there's a lot of pushback because a lot of women just have trouble really finding the balance between all the things that they want for their lives or all the things they want to do. And so I'm learning now that that is so controversial. And the way that I have been conceptualizing balance in motherhood, you know, I've been really trying to help people understand that when I say balance in motherhood, I actually do not mean showing equally in all the aspects of your life because that is not possible all the time. It's not possible at all. You know, some days I am more of a mom. Some days I have to tell my kids, look, go get the tablet because I have some work to do. And so that balance is not necessarily what I mean when I say balance in motherhood. And instead, what I am now seeing what I have meant this whole time is really an experience of joy, an experience of fulfillment and satisfaction. Also, an experience of healthiness. Wellness is what I mean when I say balance. And, you know, when I teach moms about balance, there are these ingredients, I call them, that are needed. Things like, well, we have to have really strong boundaries in order to have the experiences we want in life. You know, we have to learn how to prioritize our wellness in order to have a healthy body and a healthy mind. You know, we have to learn how to be outside of motherhood. And, and what that means to me is learning who I am when I am just to myself. You know, mm -hmm. who am I outside of motherhood? You know, we have to learn how to really unlearn this idea that my sense of worth is tied up in how well I can make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or, <laughs> you know, how well I can do all these things that only deal with motherhood. So, you know, I teach moms these small little ingredients that we need to implement into our life in order to have an experience of joy, more fulfillment, more satisfaction. And that to me is what balance means. You know, there's another thing about balance that occurs to me. Balance sounds hard, right? Balance sounds like tightrope. Mm -hmm. It sounds like hard work and something I might not be good at and something I might fail at. I might fall. Exactly. And I think like once you are balanced, you're talking about joy, right? Like standing on a tightrope is the opposite of joyful to me. But of course, we're talking about getting to something that is very worthwhile. Does it have to be hard and difficult and a struggle first? Like, do you need to do something hard to get to the ease and the joy? Mm, that's a great question. And, you know, the one thing that actually was coming to mind to me as you were asking that is that balance looks different for everybody. And for some women, what I have learned is that their journey to that feeling or that experience of balance is a little bit more easier than others. For some women, they do have to do some really hard things. And it might be big things like end a marriage or, you know, really have very difficult conversations with their families about what they are no longer going to do or, you know, really start to have more vulnerable conversations and, you know, maybe even start going to therapy so that they can really start to unlearn some things that, um, are no longer healthy for them. You know, those things are hard. And that, though, is necessary for them to have the balance that they need. You know, for other women, it's really as simple as making a schedule for when you're going to work out, <laughs> you know, and once they do that, then they're like, ah, this feels so much better. And, and now I'm on a journey where I can see how I can have more balance. So let me do some other things. And so balance is so different for everybody. But for some women, it will require a really big leap. Can we talk a little bit about 
boundaries? Because one of the things I like in your work, I think this is a step that so many people don't think of, that they think of balance as something that is all my work. And it's up to me to figure out how to balance the need of my mother-in-law and my husband and my boss and my trainer or whoever these people in your life are, that it is my job to somehow take all those voices in and put them in the right place. And one thing that you talk a lot about in your work is boundaries and how much that changes what your picture looks like. So can we drill down on boundaries a little bit? Mm-hmm. We just need them. <laughs> <laughs> have them. Yes, have them. Have them, need them, use them, enforce them, keep them. You know, even with that example, like you said, you know, trying to maintain a balance so that you can meet the needs of your partner, meet the needs of your in-laws. And some of these people, we don't need to meet their needs. You know, they can just meet their own needs or, you know, we have to put in some boundaries so we can really figure out, OK, well, what's mine and what's theirs? You know, what's my responsibility and what is not? Also to teach other people, okay, well, this is no longer her responsibility is actually mine, right? And so boundaries are two-way street. They are for other people to really learn what they can expect from us, but also they're for us too, to kind of keep us in check, to help remind us, you know, like, hey, that thing over there is actually not your responsibility and it is fine that it is not yours. And this, in this bucket, this is what's yours. Can you give us an example of a boundary? Because it's another word I think we use sometimes. And it's like, does it just mean saying we're not going to two families for the holidays? What is an example of a boundary that really you've seen somebody set that helped them rebalance? Mm -hmm. I actually will use an example from my life, if that's okay. Speaking of the holidays, I recently set a boundary for myself and for my own family you know, my mother, my brother, my aunts and uncles that, you know, because right now in this season of my life, when I have a three-year-old and I have a one-year-old and I live seven hours away from everyone else, that traveling during the holidays is really just not the best for us. You know, because what I learned, you know, especially the Christmas holiday, the Thanksgiving, that time of year, usually there's more stress for me. There's more stress for my family. There's cold and flu season. Flights are woo, expensive for a family of four. And I have just did it. Don't do it, people. And during the pandemic, I missed out on all of the free flights for my two year old. So now I have to pay because he's three. <laughs> oh, so it's just I didn't think about that. You know, That's a bummer. Very much so. And so that was a boundary, though, that I had to set because I knew that if I continued to force myself and my family to travel to Ohio every year for Christmas, that would not mean happy times for me. It wouldn't be happy memories for me. It would just be more stress, more anxiety, which is not good for me, my body, my babies. And so I had to set that boundary. And, you know, on the other side of that, there maybe was some disappointment for my family because they love to see us for the holidays. And even for me, some guilt. But I had to really set that boundary for myself and for them because ultimately I knew that me making this decision was a better situation for me and my family. And so that was a one example of a boundary I just set this past year, you know, helping people understand that, you know, unfortunately, we will not travel to Ohio for Christmas or Thanksgiving holidays. However, what we can do is travel during the summer. Mm. So that's one example. And again, it looks different for everybody, you know, but I think the boundary is, you know, you making a decision about something that either doesn't feel good for you, doesn't serve you and, you know, just stamping it and communicating it and really standing firm in that. We are talking to Dr. Amber Thornton and we will be right back. 
Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? Say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. I think when we talk about boundaries too, sometimes I feel like, well, if I go, I will be overwhelmed. But if I don't go, I will feel this unrelenting guilt that will ruin the holiday anyway. I have a job that I am taking on too much at, and I will sometimes recruit my spouse and say, you have to tell me not to do this. I know I'm going to feel pressured to do it. You have to tell me (laughs) it's okay to say no, and you have to kind of be the bad guy for me. I mean, my spouse is not in a position to say you are not allowed to do this. But I mean, for a lot of people, maybe more so women who are busy trying to keep everybody happy and see that as our role. On the one hand, I see that we might be happier setting the boundary. But on the other hand, how do I get out of this feeling of like, oh, I'm just going to feel so upset the whole holiday that so-and-so is mad at me? You know, I talk about guilt a lot with moms that I work with and that guilt You know, my philosophy on guilt, especially mom guilt, is that 99% of the time, it's really just an illusion. You know, it's not true. It's a feeling for sure. It's a strong feeling. It's a feeling that you might have a very visceral reaction to. But, you know, my work as a psychologist, what I teach my clients even is that we can have a feeling and it doesn't always reflect the reality of what's actually going on. Right. That is so smart. I have really never thought about it that way until you just said that, that the guilt is something that I'm creating. It's not inherent to this situation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And especially if and this happens a lot, too, especially if there has not been a family member that has like expressed any, you know, negative feelings towards you about a decision that you've made, you know, then absolutely. This is just a feeling that you're having, but it's not necessarily a reflection of the reality. 
sometimes we do have family members that express some disappointment or, you know, some upset feelings about a, a boundary that we've set. But even then, we have to really remind ourselves that it is okay for them to have a feeling about a decision that I've made for myself and for my health or for my family. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to remind ourselves that. But, you know, to that first point, though, guilt 90% of the time for moms and for women is really just a feeling that we're having, but it is not a reflection of what's really, really going on. Because a lot of the times when we make decisions for our families or ourselves, we're doing it in the best interest of at least our families, you know? And so that is always typically a good thing. You know, on the flip side, you said, if you go, you'll be overstimulated. That's real, you know? And you can see the consequences. You feel that that is actually really happening. You being overstimulated in a situation, having trouble regulating your emotions, your feelings, your experiences, but guilt is different. I really like to help moms understand that most of the time when you're feeling guilt about a decision that you've made for your own well-being or for the best of your family, it is a feeling. And that's really as far as it goes. Oh, I'm putting you on speed dial, Dr. Amber. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to hear that. Even if you do get specific negative feedback, because sometimes you are going to get pushback, right? What I like about what you say about balance is that it's missing the clause. For example, I just saw a friend today saying, you know, in the new year, I'm doing a Peloton. I'm committing to do a Peloton four times a week because I'm noticing I'm more cranky. And when I exercise regularly, I can show up as a better mom for my family. And that's a good end. But the balance you're talking about is like, I do a Peloton four times a week because I want to do a Peloton four times a week. And it makes me feel better, not dot, dot, dot. So I'll be this partner, mother, whatever that my family deserves. Exactly. That isn't why you have to put this stuff in place. It can be just for you. For you. And it goes back to that joy that you'll have when you do that, that experience of fulfillment. Because, you know, you're taking care of yourself and that that satisfaction, that deep satisfaction, that deep wellness that we all need. Those experiences let you know that you're having some balance or you're experiencing some balance in that moment. And this reminded me a long time ago, I was training for a marathon. I mean, a long time ago now. (laughs) But one of the pieces of advice that my little book said is don't attach secondary expectations to running. Mm -hmm. That, Like if you make running about losing weight or you make running about anything other than running, that you're robbing yourself of the experience of running and finishing a marathon, which is a huge accomplishment. But that if you somehow past the finish line and you didn't lose the 10 pounds you thought you would, then it's a failure of an experience. And I think that your work gets at so much of the, we do this to ourselves, those secondary expectations and this idea of if then, and I'll do this because it will lead here and just skipping the joy that lives in the place of I'm going to do this thing. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes that was such a great point. And what it also made me think of going back to how we were saying that word balance can be very triggering. And I think sometimes it's because we assume that, okay, if I take time for myself, that means I have to make it up somewhere else. And I also like women and moms to understand you actually don't. You really don't, you know, because you taking a moment for yourself is actually not taking away from your family at all is contributing to your family. And so that just you having a moment to yourself, you deciding to do the Peloton four days a week, it's not taking away from your family or your children at all. It's contributing to you, it's adding to you. And that is enough. That's sufficient. And that is balanced. And also, it seems to me that taking moments for yourself or doing the Peloton or, you know, whatever it is that you do may not lead to you being the world's most ideal mother, wife and Zen human being that ever existed, but that there's value in doing it 
for itself versus for these magical results that somehow, and I do think that's where the balance thing comes in. It feels like there is this very set number where everything will be in balance and then like the sun will come out and it will be like walking into Oz and everything will be in color and it will be perfect. And that's the illusion of balance. That's not really what your work is about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Can I ask you about millennial moms? Because millennial moms are a particular focus of Busy Working Mama, and you are a millennial mom. But I want to know, how do you define millennial mom and why is that group of particular interest to you? Yes. Someone actually just asked me on my Instagram, what age is millennial and why millennials? And so this is fresh in my brain because I just answered that, you know, millennials technically are born. And I think now I can't remember the exact dates, but I think it was between 1996 and 1981, something like that. So mid 20s to about early 40s are the age group that I really like to focus on. And I like to focus on millennials specifically. One, because I'm a millennial, but also because I think that there is just a very unique experience that millennial mothers are having. You know, we are the generation that grew up right at the peak of this new Internet and social media and Facebook. Like we're becoming moms in a period where past mothers like just have not experienced so many things that we've experienced. And so what I found is that moms are doing motherhood very, very differently. And because of that, they need extra support because, you know, they might go back to their mom maybe to seek support or help or, you know, want some validation for a decision they're making, whether it's for their own well-being or, you know, themselves as a parent. And sometimes other people won't get it, you know, because motherhood is so different now. And so that's why I really like to focus on millennial motherhood, because I think we're also in a time where, you know, wellness is actually being appreciated and acknowledged or the idea of mental health. (laughs) You know, I think we're one of the first generations of mothers who are actually really embracing this idea of mental health and therapy and not only for ourselves, but for our kids, too. And so these are just all new experiences that really warrant a lot more support because things are so different now. We're talking to Dr. Amber Thornton, and we'll be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. 
More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. So Dr. Amber, another big sort of plank of the balanced working mama work is undoing default parenting. Sounds great. Tell us how it works. <laughs> We're all for it. <laughs> yes. So I want a, a little bit of background on why this is becoming a focus for me in 2023. And it's because Balanced Working Mama was born in 2020. And from 2020 to the end of 2022, I really was working very hard to help women have this balance that we were just talking about, you know, this experience of joy and fulfillment, satisfaction and the things they need to do, the boundaries they need to set, the ways they need to prioritize wellness and how they have to stop doing everything. And I was able to make some progress in helping a lot of women. But then I started to have conversations with other women who really started to say things like, you know, well, I just don't have time because I'm doing everything. You know, or these other conversations started to come about about how, you know, for many women, they want balance. They want these things, but they are unable to do it because at home there is this weird shift in terms of responsibilities and demands. And that has not yet been addressed. And it's so interesting. I actually had a conversation with my neighbor. She's an older woman. And she follows me on Instagram and she said, you know what? I really want you to start speaking to the dads because they are the reason that women don't have this balance. And so I really took that in. And I don't think I'm going to start speaking to the dads. But instead, what that meant for me is that in order for more women to have balance, we really need to help them undo this default parent role that they find themselves in. Because it's hard to have this balance that we're talking about when there is a misbalance in terms of roles and responsibilities at home. And so that is why that's coming up now. And I'm really excited to talk a lot more and speak a lot more about that this coming year, because it feels like the next step for Balanced Working Mama. More women can have more balance if they are not doing everything at home. And so undoing default parenting is it was really just that, you know, if you find yourself in a role where you feel like you are the default parent, you are the first in line in defense, which means that you really just do everything. I want to help undo that, unlearn that. Let's unravel that so that you can find some balance. We just had a commenter in our Facebook group who said, my child is in fourth grade and my husband just now realized he said something about grades and just realized that our school does not do grades for the kids. Fourth grade. It's a kind of a funny example, but it's the many examples of who knows the name of the pediatrician, who knows what the names of the medications the kids take are, who is thinking in January about where they're going to summer camp, because that conversation 
husbands does not actually begin May 23rd. It's a tremendous mental load of just keeping all of those pieces, you know, going, spinning all those plates in your mind, basically. So does that conversation begin with sitting a spouse down and saying, I am the default parent and I want you to take these four things, assigning a spouse things? Does it just mean having a general conversation about the idea of default and how that looks? How do you recommend that people start that conversation? Mm -hmm. And of course, no one's going to like this answer, but it really depends because it could look so different. You know, I'm imagining that for some women, it might be starting with having that sit down conversation with their spouse about, hey, you know, I recently learned this term called default parent. And when I read about it, it described me and my experiences. And I want to share this with you. And this is what I think we need. You know, for other women, their partners might not be receptive to that right now. And so they might have to do some of the other things that I recommend often on my Instagram, you know, small little tips, things that you can start to do today to really shift the system. You know, for other women, you know, they might find that they have to just completely stop doing some things. And so it really can depend and it it varies. You know, I'm very much an advocate for like bringing your spouse and your partner in as much as possible because, you know, this whole idea of undoing a default parent role, it doesn't have to be on you. It doesn't have to be you doing it all by yourself. And it's always best when we can collaborate with our partners and say like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I think we need to do to get on the other side of it. And realistically, though, there are going to be many families and women who find that they might have to make the first moves. They might have to do it first to really shift the system, to really get that attention from their families of, hey, you know, I'm making some changes. Things are going to change and it's no longer going to be this way. And I know that you all are not ready, but I am. And so here's the changes that I'm making today. So there was this Washington Post essay. I'll find it and I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode. It was written by a man who had had this conversation with his parenting partner, a woman. And he said, okay, I'll start doing more. And he had to take on the kid's birthday party. And it was a really good essay because it's like, I'll just do the kid's birthday party. Fine. Like the kids just come over and play. And his partner, the wife, did a really good job of like, okay, you're in charge of everything. And then he started with like, well, how do I know the names of the kids in the class? And she's like, you know, how indeed? And he goes through the whole thing like, oh, shoot, I have to invite people. Oh, shoot. How do I get these emails? Oh, shoot. How do I track? Well, wait a minute. What time? And oh, and I got to reserve a thing. And oh, there's a cake. Oh, but a kid is peanut allergic. Of course, like plan a birthday party is actually 35 things, not one, as everybody listening knows. But how this dad went through and his wife, to her great credit, did not step in. And the birthday party wasn't perfect. But he understood for the first time, oh, planning a birthday party is two months of 35 tasks. It's a start. Yes, absolutely. And that was a great example of, you know, she did it her way. You know, she said, hey, Mm -hmm. it's yours. And I'm so glad she didn't step in because I think oftentimes, you know, with many of the moms that I work with, that's the hard part, you know, because it's like we see how it might be crumbling. (laughs) We see how things maybe are not going well initially. And, you know, for many of us, we kind of are thinking about our kids and like, oh, well, What are they feeling with all this? But, you know, honestly and truly stepping back and allowing that person to figure it out sometimes is so good for the other person, the partner, because they have to learn their own way. Because another part of this is that, you know, when we step back and allow people to step up, it is not going to be perfect. And it's also not going to be done the way that we want to do it necessarily. 
you know, and that doesn't mean we can't have conversations about, well, what is a good standard that we should maybe set that we can both agree upon. But we have to also get comfortable with, you know, this way that he does it may not be how I do it. And am I okay with a new way? So, Dr. Amber, I'm sure everybody listening has been nodding their heads for the last half hour and wants to know more about Balanced Working Mama. So tell us about the uh, your group and how you work with its members. Yes, absolutely. So Balanced Working Mama is just kind of magical because we have a membership community in our community. Moms come together and together we really support one another, but we're also really learning what balance can look like for us in any given season of our lives, but then also now introducing this topic of undoing default parenting. And so that's going to be really exciting. So that is definitely something that we've been doing for the last year, and I'm excited to have that continue. Um, I'm also really excited to bring back the Balanced Working Mama podcast. I took a small break as I was working on the community, but I'm definitely going to be bringing the podcast back for February of this year. And I'm really excited about that to have these conversations about undoing default parenting, really understanding what balance means, what that feels like. It's going to be really good. We know a lot of podcast fans out there, so that works for them for sure. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Tell us the best links to find Balanced Working Mama and you. Absolutely. Balancedworkingmama.com is a really great place to start. That's the website. Right now on the website, I have a freebie, uh, 27 Simple Ways to Begin Undoing Default Parenting. So you can definitely download a copy of that if the idea of undoing default parenting is intriguing for you. But I'm always on Instagram at Dr. Amber Thornton. (laughs) You can find me there and also on TikTok as well. Awesome. This is the kind of balance that we are all looking for friends. Dr. Amber, thanks so much for talking to us. I I really needed this conversation today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Dr. Amber. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. 
My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.